What's going on, guys? It's Yahavi David, St. Clair Speaks, and you are now tuned in to the St. Clair Speaks show. If you haven't heard about Anchor, it's the easiest way to make a podcast. Let me explain. It's free. There's creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or your computer. Anchor will distribute your podcast on platforms like Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and more. You can make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. It's everything that you need in a podcast in one place. Download the free Anchor app and start your journey today. It's that time. I'm sure you probably don't know how this goes, but you know, I have a little introduction and it goes a little something like this. <laughs> <laughs> What's going on, guys? It's your hobby, David Sinclair Speaks, and you are now tuned in. To the St. Clair Speak Show. You are now tuned in to the St. Clair Speak Show. What's going on, guys? Welcome back to the St. Clair Speak Show podcast. I'm your host, Yahavi St. Clair. And guys, we are sitting here with another special guest, another connection established through LinkedIn. I am sitting here with Raj Sabemeyer. Now, what, before we dive into this episode of the St. Clair Speak Show podcast, I want to let you guys know that there's still time on the clock to get things done before we go into 2021. So network. Use your resources, put yourself out there. You never know how you can help someone or if someone could help you if you don't tell them. So with further ado, Raj, it is a pleasure to have you on the St. Clair Speak Show podcast. For my audience and, and, and you know all these new listeners tuning in right now, can you tell us a little bit more about you, what you do and what sparked this inspiration and why you're on the St. Clair Speak Show podcast today? Yeah, first of all, thanks for having me. I love the guests who come on your show. I listen to some of their your episodes and that's why I'm here as well to share my story and hopefully at least inspire one or two people who are watching or listening to this uh, podcast. So again, my name is Raj Subramayar. I'm a international keynote speaker, author, and tech career coach. So what I do mainly is I help people in the tech industry to find their dream job and become successful leaders in the industry. And I've been in IT for over 15 years now. And uh, that's how I help people. Apart from that, I also speak at a lot of conferences and uh, companies hire me for their private events to speak on various topics like leadership, motivation, uh, software, uh, productivity, right? So all those kind of topics, I could curate topics based on the audience. And finally, I love sharing my thoughts on various topics via podcasts and also via writing. So I write for a lot, a lot of publications, uh, tech companies and publications uh, hire me to write various blog posts and articles and share my thoughts on leadership and uh, various other topics. So that's kind of my whole uh, gambit of services, which I help out with and which I offer to my clients, right? What led me to your podcast was, as I was saying, I'm a podcast junkie. <laughs> I listen to about like 250 to easily about 250 to 300 podcasts uh, every year, right? Uh, and while listening to all these podcasts, and of course, I'm super active on LinkedIn, I saw your profile uh, there, and um, we ap apparently had 
uh, mutual friends as well. And then I started checking out your podcast and then checking out your guests. And I thought, you know what? This is a great platform for me to share my story as well in terms of career advancements, leadership, uh, motivation. So yeah, that's what has brought me here pretty much. I'm excited. You know, I'm real. I am really excited to talk to you about multiple different things. And, you know, I'm a speaker too. So I want to dive into the speaking, but I want to save that like really, I want to save that for later. So what got you into tech and why is tech so important now more than ever? Great question. Um, So before I answer that question, I have to give some context to your audience, right? So of course, from my thick Texas accent, you know I was not born in the United States, right? So I grew up in the southern part of India um, in a place called Chennai. It is one of the five major cities in India, which pretty much runs the economy, right? And since a young age, uh, for at least the Asian folks listening to your podcast, you can relate to this. You're pretty much been growing up given three choices by your parents. You can either become a doctor, lawyer, or engineer, right? So, so that is my story. So I said, you know what? I'm going to be an engineer. And kid you not. So since a young age, they wanted me to get into this uh, engineering position, right? And um, while growing up as well, I was constantly compared to other people, other overachievers around me in terms of uh, academic excellence. For me personally, I was pretty average in almost everything. You name it, academic, sports, dating, you name it, I was average in everything, right? And constantly being compared to other people and comparing myself to other people as well uh, gave me this feeling that I was not good enough, I didn't matter, and I probably didn't have anything to offer in this world, right? This kind of continued to my second year of my undergrad. And then I had this uh, epiphany. I came to a realization one day when I was sitting in my study room that all this while throughout my childhood, I was trying to do things to please other people because I had this huge fear of being ignored because everyone ignored me no matter what whatever I did right and by trying to please other people I was disappointing myself I was letting other people's opinion be my reality so that's when I decided you know what I am going to uh, carve my own identity I'm going to strive for greatness and I know uh, I'm enough and I'm going to do a big shit and then I was thinking about okay Now, how do I go about doing it, right? That's when I decided, okay, I'm going to stick with the tech industry, but I want to do something different, something which I am passionate about. So since 2002, so I uh, did my undergrad in uh, IT. And then in 2008, I came to the US again to pursue my master's in software engineering. And then for the past 15 years, years, I've learned so many different things and I've gone through so many different roles in tech, which is which pretty much led me to where I am today, who 
is a tech career coach helping people. So that's kind of my whole backstory and, and how I landed in tech. Of course, I have a lot of funny stories and interesting stories related to me coming to the U.S. as an immigrant, but we can always uh, talk about that uh, if you want to get to that as well. So. That's exciting because I've, you know, with the experience of just going remotely with COVID and the pandemic, everything, it, it, it's tech, it's software. And, and if you're not, if you're not keeping up with the times, you're left behind. So a lot of people are struggling. So what are some maybe like tips or what, what are some things that you've seen in your industry where you see maybe not uh, maybe people in their 60s or 70s or maybe the younger generation that are learning a lot more in the tech industry, in engineering? Uh, are there some uh, tips that you would say like, hey, are, here are some simple things to go about, you know, getting your business out there, getting yourself out there for someone who's been corporate their whole life that has no idea on how to use the internet and make it resourceful? Yeah, that's a great question. And also kind of uh, connects to your previous question as well in terms of uh, how tech has changed. What do people have to do to stand out in this current era of tech, right? So it's really simple. There's one word, or I would say two words. It's about personal brand. And that's what is going to set you miles apart from your competition. So let's just take a step back here. I think the world has drastically changed, especially the tech space has drastically changed in terms of the jobs. So for example, till about seven, eight years ago, people thought that they have to specialize in one particular field and then become masters in that particular field. And that's what is going to give them growth. And that's what meant success in tech. But I have news for you. That's, no, that's not uh, the truth anymore. That's not the reality anymore. Because over the past seven, eight years, you've seen so many different things which have come up in tech. And you need to know basics of everything. So the rule of the game right now is being jack of all trades and master of none. You need to be able to adapt to changes in technology. And uh, that's why you have to build your personal brand first. So what do I mean by that? Say, for example, I use this example quite a bit to help people uh, get an idea of why personal brand is really important. Say you have your favorite uh, conditioner and you've been using the conditioner say for 10 years, right? There's not just one reason, one specific reason why you're using the conditioner. It's not just because of the price. It's not just because of the fragrance. It's not just because of the packaging. It's not just because of the color you're buying it for 10 years, but it's all these facets of the conditioner, which makes you keep buying it again and again for over 10 years. And our careers are the exact same way. It's various facets, various skill sets, which you gain, which helps to build your personal brand. So in terms of how tech has changed how, and how we have to adapt to this new era, you need to build your personal brand. And there's different ways to actually build your personal brand, right? First is, I think me and you were just talking about it in terms of the power of social media, especially LinkedIn, right? LinkedIn is one of the most underrated and highly powerful social media platform for professionals, right? Especially for tech professionals. Your dream job is sitting right there. 
and LinkedIn is the place where you can connect with people and help to grow your network, right? And, and so LinkedIn is the most powerful thing you can do for your personal brand. And of course, later we can get into more LinkedIn related stuff on how people can use LinkedIn to stand out from the crowd. But one is LinkedIn for building a personal brand. The second thing is you need to grow your network. And how are you going to do that? Of course, LinkedIn is one aspect for growing your network, but there are other ways to do that as well. Because right now, if you see, there are a lot of online conferences. There are a lot of meetup groups. So what are you going to do is, during these holidays, if you have time, go attend these meetup events. And in those meetup events, you're going to see all the attendees list names who are attending the meetups. Literally, what are you going to do is take that name and plug that on LinkedIn, and then you're going to get their whole profile. And then you can see whether it's someone you want to connect with, right? Say, for example, you want to be a software programmer. And in this meetup event, you find a person and through LinkedIn, you find that person is a software programmer as well. Go connect with that person, right? So growing your network and then continuous learning. As we already mentioned, the rule of the game is being jack of all trades. So take this opportunity to take a lot of courses online. You have Udemy, you have Coursera, you have even LinkedIn courses, uh, Khan Academy, Code Academy, if you want to learn coding, right? Take this opportunity to gain those extra skill set because this is the thing. Right now, there are over 30 million jobs which have been lost. That means for every job you're applying for, probably there are at least thousands of people applying for the same job. So what is going to make you stand out from the crowd? And that's where the whole personal branding comes into picture. So right off the bat, these are three things you can do to build your personal brand. And to answer your question, personal brand is the most important thing, especially right now in tech, to make a name for yourself, build credibility, and get your dream job as well. Yo, you were going like spot on, yo, because look, I was just about to say, and you, you took the words right out of my mouth. You mentioned Udemy, Skillshare, and there's Fiverr too. There are freelancing apps and there's apps where you could, uh, you could teach and you could also learn. So like you mentioned, if you want to learn coding, if you want to learn all these things, the resources is out there. I all, it's funny that you mentioned LinkedIn. I had, uh, I think this was like maybe like seven months ago. I sat in on a, and it was downloadable too, which was great, LinkedIn learning on how to be a better speaker. Uh-huh. And there were so much courses on LinkedIn. It, w- it will just blow your mind if you want to search it in a tab and you could find it. And another thing that you mentioned is finding your dream job. Another thing that you can do is you could create the dream job. You could create an internship. You could create, you could just post anything on LinkedIn in terms of just a job, right? And, and, and teach these skills and have people come on. And we live in an era where it's informative and information is the key, but skills create the jobs now. So there is a huge demand in, in, in tech software, anything digital, anything digital technology is a billion dollar industry, maybe a little a lot more now than, than it was before. Right. Because what I'm noticing is, I'm connecting with people and you're talking about networking. I'm connecting with people at volume. And one of the things that I, I've used to build my personal band, of course, is the podcast. It's been great for networking, affiliate marketing, and I don't have my own you know, studio. So to take advantage of COVID and, and this remote opportunity that everyone's trying to connect, everyone wants to build a personal brand. It's been really life-changing stuff. Um, I was, there was a time period where I was getting by because of Fiverr. 
and posting, you know, different gigs, whether it was fitness, it was podcasting with content editing. There's so many different gateways to make money. You know, I was wasting so much time applying for jobs. I think there's months going by. I didn't hear back from anyone. And I'm like, yo, what am I doing here? I could just go out here, post a gig and, and get compensated. Just last week, I made $40 to edit a one minute video. It, I, the best $40 I've ever made. Hey, yeah, 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 I know, right? So people, so this, the, you bring up a good point and I wanted to mention over here is uh, as humans, our mind has been trained to see results immediately, right? Okay, I want to lose weight. Okay, how do I lose weight in the next one week? Oh, I want to build my personal brand. How do I build my personal brand in one week? People didn't understand the power of delayed gratification. You need to put in the effort to actually reach that destination. And the key is the journey where you learn so many different things, which takes you to the next level, right? Like, for example, I was looking at your profile and fitness is something which you are passionate about and you get it, right? If people say, dude, I want a six pack right now. How do I do it in a week? <laughs> you'll say probably surgery or maybe even that won't work. No, I'm just kidding. Don't do surgery. I'm just kidding, folks who are listening. But the point here I'm trying to make is it's delayed gratification. It's gradual, small, small steps towards your goals, which actually gets you there. So talking about LinkedIn, you, you said um, you were applying for different jobs and no one was you know, uh, calling back. And I was in the same boat in 2008. For not a, I think a lot of people do not know about this, but I came to the US in 2008 as an immigrant. And I still remember this vividly because I came in on August 31st, 2008. And then on September 7th, 2008, Lehman Brothers fell. And for those young people who are listening who do not know what Lehman Brothers is, it was one of the biggest financial firms in the world and they became bankrupt overnight and kind of triggered the whole recession, right? I came in during that time and from the beginning of 2009 till end of 2009, I applied for 1,293 jobs, one, two, nine, three jobs. And guess how many callbacks I got from it? I got four callbacks from it and I converted one job out of it and that it was not a full-time job but it was an internship because as an immigrant it was really hard to get jobs because people weren't ready to sponsor my work permit that was one thing but the second thing was I was doing the same thing I kept applying for a job but no one was calling me back can I ask you this I don't want to interrupt you but what I'm glad you brought up that point what are the similarities that you're seeing now versus 2009 it's the exact same situation because people in 2008, during the recession, right, they were anxious, they uh, were insecure, they, uh, uh, they didn't know how their jobs are going to change. And then a lot of people were in the receiving end of mass layoffs. And finally, there were people who wanted to make a change, but they had the fear of the unknowns. And it's the exact same situation right now. In 2008, uh, 2009, the unemployment rate was 10.1%. And then COVID when it was at its peak in April, 
it was 11%. So it is very similar in terms of job losses and job insecurities. But yeah, it's the exact, it's the, it's exact uh, same situation right now. And that's why you can use the power of LinkedIn to do a lot of things right now. You don't have to keep applying for jobs because and expecting something. Instead, you have to strategize your whole job application process. If you want, we can talk about that in a bit. But before we talk about that, I wanted to say just by using LinkedIn, you can find jobs, right? So there are two strategies off the bat right now people who are listening can follow. First thing you can do now is, yes, if you don't have a LinkedIn profile, press pass on this podcast and go create a LinkedIn profile because it's so important. But say you have a LinkedIn profile, you have to make sure you add as much information as possible and specific keywords for it. So what do I mean by that? Say, for example, you are applying, you want to be a software programmer. You need to have information and keywords in your profile, such as uh, developing, programming, uh, building products, and then la- uh, names of programming languages. Because this is the thing. When recruiters use software to scan uh, candidates for particular jobs, it actually goes through a LinkedIn profile and use and searches for these actual keywords. And all the information put on LinkedIn is indexed by Google. It's SEO information. So that's why. Hold on, hold on, hold on. I don't want to interrupt you. I, you're getting into some real goodies right now. And I want to dive into that specific thing because I recently cracked a code with LinkedIn and you know I've run my own like little different automation sent outs. And this is what I'm doing for my clients now. It, it's a lot of SEO keyword demand in high search. And I was talking to someone on Clubhouse yesterday who's in the beauty supply industry. And I'm telling her, I'm like, yo, you know, you sell waist trainers. If you were to go on Jungle Scout and, and put, uh, you know, waist trainers, waist trainers bring in a lot of money and it is one of the highest keyword search demands on Amazon. So tell us a little bit more about that because I've recently, one of the things that I do on LinkedIn, and, and this is how I found uh, Godwin Chen, and, and this is how it all connects to you. That was an automation send out that I did. And I searched all things, I searched speakers and podcasters. Uh-huh. Then I had a filter list of a thousand people and I did my initial reach out. And that's how I was prospecting because I, I, I kind of got that using LinkedIn Sales Navigator. Right. But um, I, I, I want to dive in a little bit more about that because a lot of people aren't familiar with SEO. They're not familiar with automation and keyword search. Skills. So if you can. Yep. Oh yeah, that's a great point. So. Uh, let's dump it down a little bit so that even the common people who do not want to use LinkedIn Sales Navigator and all the cool tools, uh, even they can start using LinkedIn without any fancy tools, right? So let's let's just take a step back here. First things first, again, for people who do not know what a CEO is, it's search engine optimization. Basically, Google searches for these particular keywords you use to bring up your profile in the top 10 or top 15 results. And that's what we are talking about here. So on LinkedIn, I'm gonna take the career standpoint so that people can relate to it even better. Say again, software programmer, in your about section, you have to use keywords such as programming, collaborating, developing, building, uh, and then teams. And then you should use programming language names like uh, JavaScript, Java, and then 
in your experience section for each experience, write down things of what you actually did in those particular companies. Again, using some keywords based on your real life experiences. So when recruiters use recruiting software to search LinkedIn profiles, you are going to show up because of using those keywords. And when people Google something, say software programmer candidates, if you say looking for jobs or programming jobs, then you are going to be search on Google. And that's your ideal situation. You need to be visible to people, right? So that's why it's really, really important to use the actual keywords and build your LinkedIn profile. And even in LinkedIn itself, say, as you said, a lot of people like you are using LinkedIn Sales Navigator, which is an add-on tool on top of LinkedIn you are going to show up in their search results as well because you use all these keywords. So that's why this SEO and optimization thing is really, really important, right? And two more things, which I just wanted to mention here so that people know that it's not that complicated is first thing, say you're looking for your next opportunity in tech or any industry for that matter. There are two things you can do right now to find jobs and be proactive. So first thing is tapping into your own network. In fact, the other day, last week, I was talking to this uh, woman who has 15 years experience in tech. And she said, man, I'm not able to find jobs. Then I said, did you tap into your own network? Then she said, what do you mean by that? Okay, how many connections do you have on LinkedIn right now? She said, I have 4,500 connections. Have you ever thought about reaching out to those connections who are relevant to your ideal job and then ask them whether they have different jobs available and what it takes to get the particular job. She said, no. And this is not the first time this has happened. I do career coaching for a living and time and again, people fail to pay attention to their own network. So first thing is tap into your own network. So say for example, you, you wanna be a software programmer you're going to go into your network and see who is already a software programmer in different companies and then connect with them saying, hey, I'm a, trying to apply for a software programmer job. What does it entail to become a software programmer? What do you do as part of your job? Do you have any job openings in your company? And uh, could you recommend me? So that opens up a whole new thing because now you have more personalized and direct a conversation rather than just applying on zip recruiter and hoping someone is going to see you. You see how you've changed the narrative. So that is tapping into your own network. So that is a really powerful concept. The second thing you could do is personalize cold messaging. So what do I mean by that? Say you want to work for Google and you want to be a sales representative, but you don't know anyone in Google. So does that mean that you're doomed? No. That's because this is what you're going to do. Literally go to LinkedIn on the search bar, type in Google and click on enter. Then what's going to happen is you're going to see a list of employees who actually work at Google. Now, what you're going to do is go through those list of employees and see if there's someone else who's in, this, who's in the sales department who's doing the kind of job you want to do and send them a personalized message. And how are you going to send them a personalized message? That's because you're going to click on their profile, look at what commonalities you have be between their profile and yours. So for example, say um, the person went to Ohio State 
And what you could do is if you if you went to Ohio State, you could say, hey, I saw that you went to Ohio State and say, go Buckeyes, you see? And then immediately that person would be more willing to respond to you. And then what are you going to say is, go Buckeyes. And then you're going to say, hey, I see that you're a software, like a sales rep in, at Google and, uh, and you're working on this cool product, XYZ product. And at someday I want to work on these kind of products. Would you have a 15 minute call, not 16 minutes, not 35 minutes, 15 minute call to just talk about what you do as part of your job. I'd like to learn. When you say that, what's going to happen is you hit a lot of buckets here. One is personalized message. You hit the person's interest points, which is Ohio State, and then the actual product they're working on. And then you're saying 15 minutes because people are more willing to talk to you for 15 minutes rather than 16 minutes. But the cool thing is when you say 15 minutes and if you're interesting, usually the call goes to 30 minutes or 60 minutes, right? And that is the power of personalized cold messaging. Just following these two strategies and having a LinkedIn profile, which is optimized for your SEO, is going to take you miles apart from your competition. And that's what it's all about, especially right now, when millions of people are applying for jobs. If you want to stand out from the crowd, this is how you want to use LinkedIn. So that is something just to think about. Yo, that is just really spot on, you know, really using the search bar really utilizing it and, and putting yourself out there, but none of this happens for you again, like Raj said, if you're not on LinkedIn. So, you know, one of the first things to do, pause this episode, sign up for LinkedIn and, and really just go from there. It, you know, it, it's been a really, uh, really useful tool in terms of just, you know, connecting with the right decision makers and finding different people that could help you out, even as a speaker, um, which is going to kind of lead, of course, to the next questions. Um, you know, one of the things that I was also doing was I was customizing uh, my filter search to decision makers in universities and corporations and nonprofits reaching out, inquiring to speak until I found something else that I'll, I'll share with you offline, you know, as my, as my, as my friend and, and, and fellow speaker, uh, that's a little bit more uh, resourceful for me, but I, I found, um, yeah, it's like, wow, I got the key to, to, to so many different doors. And I, I've said this off the record so many times. If you master LinkedIn, you could you could make a million dollars from that platform. Oh, yeah. I, I've seen people just out the gate, just do so many different incredible things. And there's so much you don't have to be in tech. You don't have to be a speaker. You don't have to be a, a coach or an author. There's so much more things that you could bring if you're an artist or or you're a painter or you're a truck driver, just so you add value. Everyone, you hear it all the time on LinkedIn. Everyone's a strong connection. You're only as strong as your connections. But you said something I kind of want to piggyback off of is digging into your own network. That is, that's something I recently discovered and I found value. And I look back at all these podcast episodes and I'm like, wow, yeah, I would work for him. I wouldn't mind because, because of that connection, because they believe in what they're doing. Right. It, 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 I wouldn't want to work for anyone who doesn't believe in what they're doing. If you don't believe in your service or your product, why would I? Why? Why, why should I work for you and trade my time for money? Right. So, yeah, I mean, it, it, it's it's a powerful thing. So I kind of want to I want to dive into uh, the speaking and, and what got you into speaking. It, you know, uh, for me, for me personally, it, it was just going, you know, I would say pressure to power and, and pain and find in grace under pressure. So what got you on a path uh, speaking today? So 
um, just to give some context here. So I grew up as a really shy, introverted kid. And we were just talking about how I had the fear of being ignored. So when I constantly kept trying to live up to people's expectations, I constantly kept getting disappointed because I could never live up to people's expectations. And a part of that experience was get, uh, me getting fear of uh, rejection. I got anxiety and I had fear of uh, public speaking as well. In fact, I still remember this uh, during my eighth grade, I had this crush on this girl. And every time I used to get close to her, then I used to start sweating and then stuttering. And then it took me three weeks just to say hi to her. So I was that type of nervous wreck. And this continued till 2010. And then in 2011, I was just sitting in my cube at a desk job. And then I saw this email for a software conference. It said, software conference at Seattle, blah, 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 come join us. And for some reason, I was just looking at the email for like five, 10 minutes and I was just looking at it because I got a, another epiphany that all this while I was letting this fear of public speaking chase me and it was giving me nightmares, especially when working with people, right? I always had this low self-esteem that I cannot convey my points to the other person in an understandable format. And I was tired of living such a life. So I said, you know what? I'm going to go to this conference because there are two things. One is me being an introvert. Uh, I'm afraid how I'm going to be judged by people who I know. But if I go to Seattle, all the way from Chicago, no one knows me there. So I'm going to be in a safe space, one thing. Second thing is, yeah, I had this fear of speaking. So I thought, what better way than actually going to some place and pushing myself out of my comfort zone? So I spent $3,000 of my own money to go to the conference. And just to give you an idea, no one in the tech industry puts in their own money to go to a conference because either the company sponsors you to go or you go there as a speaker, in which case the registration fee is waived, which is the bulk of the money. But I spent $3,000 on my own money because my company ran out of money to sponsor me and I was not a speaker. So I go to this conference in 2011. I started talking to people and pushing myself out of my comfort zone. And then I started seeing these speakers giving sessions, right? Giving talks. There were some good sessions, but there were some bad speakers as well. And frankly, having bad speakers actually gave me this confidence that all this while I had this fear of public speaking, what better way than actually giving a talk to get rid of that fear? So I had that realization when I was in these bad talks. So I started networking with all these speakers at the conference, took notes on how to write a proposal, how they prepare for it, what made them speak, blah, blah, blah. So I come back. And then in 2012, I started speaking in small, small meetup groups because it was safer space for me. And then in 2013, after seven months and 23 trial runs, I gave my first conference stock and it was voted one of the best stocks at the conference. And then the word started spreading. There's this uh, weird funny Indian dude who's actually giving great talks. You should go definitely check him out. And now fast forwarding to 2020, I'm an international keynote speaker. I speak in front of thousands of people. 
just 2020 alone, I've spoken at 25 conferences, did five keynotes, right? So what got me into speaking was to overcome my fear of public speaking and pushing myself out of my comfort zone. And that's how I got to becoming a speaker. So it was a lot of hard work, but it's that realization that I need to make a change. That's what triggered this whole chain of events, which has led me to where I am today. And right now, people think I'm an extrovert, but I'm actually an introvert. So after doing this podcast, I have two other uh, podcast recordings and interviews. Then uh, Saturday and Sunday, I'll be in four walls, uh, inside four, inside my room, not talking to anyone, right? So that's how I detox. So for those people listening out there, if you want to get into public speaking, uh, answer, the, answer these questions. Why you want to do it? Uh, are you tired of being uh, introverted and not being able to speak? If so, are you ready to make a change? If you answer those three questions, then things happen and then anyone can become a speaker. Trust me, I'm an average guy. If I can do it, so can you. Very powerful, man. It's very it's it's a very powerful thing, and and how you just dived in and use that, use that fear, use the just overcoming uh, that that basic, just fear of rejection, fear of failing, uh, which makes me just lead to my next question. And I was just gonna ask you this. I didn't want to interrupt you. I think, and I'm just thinking, but would you say that is you being uh, ruthless in a sense? Is that is that your definite uh, just ripping a bandaid, just the hell with it, let's go. Yeah, it's funny because I read about 25 to 30 books a year and listen to about 250, 300 podcasts, which I was telling you about. And a majority of the stories which revolve around these podcasts and books are people who have to face adversities. And that's when they realize they have to make a change, right? And that's when greatness happens. So for me to make a change, I had to go through all my childhood experiences of being rejected, being uh, labeled as someone who doesn't matter, who's not good enough. And that's what triggered me to change my life. And I believe a lot of people, or majority of people, go through some kind of experiences like this. But the difference between people who make it and people who do not is that one single thing, whether they're ready to make a change. Because a lot of people, they take it as, you know what? This is my life and this is what uh, is going to happen to me and I'm going to live my life like this. And then finally, when they're 70 or 80 or at their deathbed, they have this realization that they never made an impact and they didn't overcome any of their fears. So do you want to have that late realization or try to identify what fears you have and then try to identify which one has been traumatizing you and then face it head on. So as you said, I decided to make a change. It's all, all about mindset and belief system. And people who I coach and who come to me, this is what I tell them. And in fact, all my coaching first starts with mindset and belief system, right? This is the thing, if you feel you're worth $50,000, then the way you show up, the way you react, the way you act, the way you do things is going to reflect a person who earns $50,000. If you feel you are worth $200,000, then the way you think, the way you act, the way you show up, the way you feel is going to reflect a person who earns $200,000. It's all about your mindset. And we have all these thoughts and fears. And 
we are either scared or we are happy. That is because thought in our mind is actually neutral. We label them as positive or negative. So I want to ask you this before you dive in, because, you know, you hear the quote, death and life is in the power of the tongue, but I believe death and life is in the power of the mind too. How does someone, and you're diving into this now, but how can someone rewire their thinking after going through a pandemic crisis? What are some, some tips that you, you could share with the audience to get your mind fired up? Great question. So for everyone, I would suggest doing what is called the mind dump exercise. It's a really powerful exercise, really simple, and this is how you're going to do it. And this is how you're going to identify what are the different things which uh, you're passionate about, which sparks your interest, and which makes you want to change what you're doing, right? This exercise is going to do that for you. So this is how you do it. Literally take a paper and a pen and put a horizontal line or a vertical line in the middle of the paper, okay? And then on the left side, at the column, write down all the things you like to do. On the right side of the column, write down all the things you hate to do. And do this for an hour in an uninterrupted manner, no Facebooking, no text messaging, just focus. Because this is the thing, all the things you wanna do in life is already unlocked in your mind. It's already in your mind. You just have to unlock it by making it visible on paper. So once you identify all your strengths and things you wanna do, then you're gonna start seeing patterns in terms of things which sparks your interest. So for example, speaking. If speaking is something which you're always passionate about but you're scared of it, this list is gonna help identify that because you would say, man, yeah, I love talking to people about leadership, right? But in your weakness, you would say, I'm afraid to do so. So you can start seeing these patterns and that's when you're going to put them into different buckets. You can identify different buckets. So you can have a speaking bucket, a writing bucket, a coaching bucket, uh, a person health bucket, right? So it called, so I, I call it the bucket classification system. You can identify all these strengths and put that into one particular theme. And that's how you start trying to make a change. So for people who are in the pandemic and who want to start 2021 uh, off to a great year, I would say start with the mind dump exercise. See what you want to do. See what is going to take your career to the next level. And then you're going to identify different things you want to do in 2021, goals. And then identify what different tasks you have to do to achieve those goals. And then you're going to map those tasks into literally your Google calendar on a weekly basis for a period of three to six months. And that's how you do epic shit. That's how you make change, right? And in fact, in my, uh, I'm starting, a, uh, I do this every year. In the beginning of the year, I do what is called the Growth Accountability Program. It's a group coaching program to literally do what I just mentioned. So coming back to your question, so if you want to make a change in 2021, do the mind dump exercise and that's how you can rewire your mind and make it focus on something, right? Because this is a common example I give to people. Our life is like a GPS system. Our life is like a GPS system. Because if you don't put the destination address, you'll never reach that destination. And for you, if you don't know what you actually want, whatever effort you put is meaningless because you're just doing things without even knowing where you want to go. And this mind up exercise 
is going to help. And of course, there are other strategies which follows along, but this is the basic thing anyone can do right now to rewire their mind and make a change in 2021. Really good points. And it kind of like leads me into this conversation that we were having on Clubhouse last night. I was in this group and it was all about the law of attraction. And we were talking about manifestation and we were all sharing different tips on how we manifest things. And, you you know, you just shared one and just writing things down. And when you mentioned that, I almost typed it in, but I know what works better for me and what speaks to my soul is that actual, you know, writing things out. And like you, like you mentioned, you have to see where you want to go in order for you to get there, in order for you to take the actions and those steps leading up to that point. So yeah, you know, it falls in line with, with manifestation, but also I've recently discovered, you know, being an advocate for not for mental health is if this isn't working, your business is not going to work. Yeah. So, so, you, so as you mentioned, you have to clear out the gutter, you have to dump out the mind and, and, and really get some positive things, but also put the, put powerful, positive people around you, you know, like yourself, that is constantly keeping people accountable by giving different um, outlaws, uh, outsources and, and resources to people to help them uh, break these barriers. So, my next question for you, and I, I ask every guest this question, it's two questions actually, and I think they fall in line with the same. How do you respond to adversity? And what is your definition of fear, if fear exists? Or how do you respond to fear? I think there's a better question. How do you respond to fear uh, is, is the question, and how do you respond to adversity? Yeah, so I have come to a realization, and everyone should come to this realization that life is a bitch because it's going to hit you when you least expect it. But when it hits you, you're going to fall down. But then you have a choice whether to recognize it and stay down or recognize it, feel it, and then keep marching. And that's the difference. So when adversities hit me, for example, like COVID hit me, not only me, the entire world, and I had this audacious 2020, 2020 plans of uh, building my business. And then I had all these things and everything was out the gutter because of COVID, because I had to do everything from my house. I'm a speaker. I'm a professional speaker. I speak for a living. And literally 99% of the conferences were online and the 1% was canceled. <laughs> so... I lost a lot of opportunities there. So that's where I decided, first thing is, you have to recognize it, you have to feel it. Yes, you have to take some time to process it, digest this adversity, and it's okay to feel bad. It doesn't ma matter whether you're a man or not, because people say you have to be a man and just keep powering through. No, we are human first, then man, woman, second so feel it recognize it but then start coming up with okay i know i'm hit so what what can i do right now start writing down different things you could do because every person on this earth was born with different skills it's our responsibility to identify what they are and try to pursue them and while pursuing it you are going to hit by get hit by curveballs like covid but then you learn and then you keep marching so that's how i face adversities in terms of recognizing it and then trying to come up with an action plan and pivot, right? That's why I wrote my new book because I never was going to write my book in 2020, but instead 
instead, well, since my speaking uh, engagements were kind of uh, remote, I thought, you know what, I have to do something else to give an impact and let people know about how I help people. So I wrote a book during the pandemic in midst of uh, taking care of my 14-month-old infant full-time and working only six hours a day. I actually wrote a book. And that's that realization happened because I chose to face the adversity, recognize it, and take action. So that's your first question. And that's how I face adversity. Second thing was, uh, what's the definition of fear, right? Or how I face fear, yeah, right? Yeah. How do you how do you how do you face fear and face fear or overcome fear? If yeah. fear or, or what is fear? Or I think the better question is, what is your definition of fear? And if you're faced with fear, how does one overcome it in your opinion? So as humans, we are wired with that uh, fight or flight response. You've heard of it. So uh, we are geared towards uh, if there's something which is out of the ordinary, immediately our mind gets into this negative phase saying, okay, something is going to happen. Okay, what's going to happen even though nothing has happened? And that's part of being human. So I think fear is a thought process, a reaction to something. But the difference is, whether you're going to let it consume you or are you going to let it drive you? So for the first 30 years of my life, I let fear consume me. So I had this fear of rejection, fear of, I had anxiety, the fear of public speaking, right? And fear that I'm not worthy enough. But then I got all those feelings and let it fuel my growth. I let it drive me to face those fears one by one. So I think that's where the difference is. Everyone has fears, no matter what you do, that's part of being human. But instead of looking at it as a negative thing, you should start looking at it as a positive thing and let it drive you. And that's when great things happen because we have to recognize that there's always gonna be fear of something, right? It just the way you approach it. And that's what makes a difference. Would you say, and, and I'm glad you mentioned this and I'm glad we're talking about fear because I think for me personally, and I'm just talking about my personal experience, there was the fear, there, there is the fear of failing and then there's the fear of resentment and guilt. And I'm like, yo, I'd rather just go with the fear of this. I don't even operate in, in fear, but I would feel more fearful if I don't try rather than me attempting and falling flat on my face, you know, at least I tried, right. You know, even yeah. with the podcast, say if I'd never passed two episodes, Hey, at least I put myself out there. I tried, but Hey, with real estate, um, I don't mention this a lot, but you know, I was doing real estate wholesaling for a while. Right. And in getting properties under contract and, 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 and flipping them and assigning them. I sucked at that, man. It, it was just, I, I, I was just experiencing so much turbulence in, 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 find, in finding frustration through failure. But I've learned, I'm like, I didn't fail. I, I didn't fail. What, what failed me was my mindset, right? And every time I had this scarcity mentality of, oh, yeah, this is, yeah, I'm going to probably do a blast. And it's funny because right prior to this podcast episode, I did a blast to like 300 leads. And I'm like, yeah, no one's going to probably contact me back or whatever the case may be. And then when I catch myself thinking like that, you know, I, you have to, you have to really, as you said, you have to dump your mind out. You have to rewire your thinking because there are times where we, we act out of faith and we do operate out of fear, right? Well, in COVID, 
inflation kind of gave me this impulse decision. And I've made a lot of investment mistakes and I'm thankful that I, I've been able to recover right. gracefully because of stocks. And I missed out on Bitcoin and I'm so pissed off about Bitcoin right now. I am so mad. And um, I had to get over that. There was FOMO. And as a speaker, author, investor, anyone in a personal brand, yeah, FOMO is huge. So to your point, how do you get over that that FOMO? Yeah, this is the thing in life. Everyone has their own path. The problem comes in when you start comparing yourself with other people. And I still suffer through this. I still struggle through it. By no means I'm perfect, people who are listening. All these strategies which I'm saying, things I'm following, and me performing at a high level, it was it's still a work in progress because I'm human and sometimes I have my moments as well. One of my biggest uh, struggles, even now, is FOMO, as you said. Again, fear of missing out. And when I see other entrepreneurs like me doing like epic shit, like great stuff, then I feel, man, should I do that? Should I do this? But then two years ago, I was listening to this podcast and a person said something profound. And I literally have stuck it uh, on my cube right over here on the wall. It says, run your own race. This was the thing that guest in the podcast was running a marathon. And then he ran the first five miles as if he wants to win the marathon. And then... In the sixth mile, he was gasping for breath, and then he was re- he was down, gasping for breath, and he thought he could he couldn't move further. And then another person passed him and said, "Run your own race," and then just left. Such profound statement because each person has his or her own goals. For me, take career coaching and then doing things related to that is my passion, right? For you, you have digital marketing and so many things. You are making an impact. It doesn't make sense for me to compete with you because I am moving away from a mission. I'm moving away from my goals. I'm moving away from what I am. I need to be focused on. So the way I handle FOMO syndrome is that, yeah, I, I hear all these people around me but I try to, it's like a horse with this, uh, what do you say, that shade thingy so that the horse doesn't actually look left or right. So I try to stay in my own lane and then think about how best I could do my job. How can I be more creative? How can I be more impactful? How can I stand out from the crowd in my tech career coaching instead of competing with digital marketers and other folks who I, I'm not even interested in? Right. So I think it's it's a constant struggle, but you just have to recognize that you have to run your own race. You have your own path. What is your mission? Every time you try to do someone else's stuff or try to copy someone else's work, you have to come back and think about what your mission. What's your mission? Why are you doing what you're doing? And that's what helps me stay grounded. Uh, yeah, it's a constant struggle, especially growing up in an Asian family because we are always constantly compared with other people i'm trying to uh get away from that identity from that uh atmosphere but uh, yeah that's how i handle it though 
uh, you know, spot on, man, because FOMO uh, got exposed to me when I started, when I got into stocks, when I got into Forex trading, and when I started looking at all these stocks, and I, I think it's what, I think it's a Trader TV I, I watch every day, Monday through Friday at 9 a.m., uh, I see all these stocks flying, and I'm like, man, I got to get this, I got to get this, I got to buy it, and it's like... And it just, it was just fear and, and fear had me. And I'm so glad that I went through it. And, you know, for anyone that's going through anything, you, you, there's always a silver lining in, in the journey, whether it's adversity, it's pain, there's always a silver lining in it. If you really pay attention, there's so much different messages and people come with messages too. And just talking to you, I, you know, I hear different messages, you know, you could say this, but I hear something completely different and the way I interpret it and the way it resonates with me, that's how it is with every single podcast guest. Thanks to um, uh, Chan right before uh, our podcast episode, I found out that I'm an introvert too. You mentioned something like after doing a couple of episodes, you know, you, you have to be to yourself. I'm the same exact way. I love you know, as a speaker, I love talking to people. I love talking in front of people, but there's times where it's like, okay, you know, I, there's somewhat overload and I need to kind of attend to me and, 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 and figure this out and, and still push past the agenda of right. breaking, breaking these walls that I put up. And it's, it's and this, really exciting. And this word I want to add to what you're saying as well. One thing we need to remember is when we are babies, when we, when we come out of the womb, everyone is the same way, right? It's only the society and what we learn around us who, which makes us who we are. And not everyone is born great. I think greatness is act, it's an acquired skill set based on what you do. And at any point of time, even Jeff Bezos from Amazon, at any point of time, there's always going to be people who are more successful than you there's always going to be people who are less successful than you, no matter what you do in life, because success has multiple facets. Are you success in personal life, success in health, success in career, success in your, you know, uh, 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 relationship? So what does success actually mean? Just because a person earns $500,000 doesn't mean he's, he or she is happy and is successful. For all you know, they share that they find thousand. They have five hundred thousand dollars on Instagram, but no one knows they have two. Uh, they have uh, uh, hundred more than five hundred thousand dollars in debt. No one knows that because no one talks about the actual human aspect of it and what they're going through. So when you have FOMO syndrome and when you are trying to uh, do things just because another person is doing. Think about all those things, whether they're you, whether you know their full story, even before investing in your time to copying someone. That kind of thinking has really, really helped me a lot because uh, all you see on social media, at least LinkedIn seems to be more true because people actually keep sharing stuff and I've seen people sharing some of their vulnerable things as well. But if you see Instagram, for example, it's all about happy faces. I'm a millionaire. Come, let's do this shit and stuff like that. But underneath the hood, there's a lot of stuff happening, right? For example, Rachel Hollis, For I don't know whether people have heard about her name. She's the person who wrote, girl, wash your face. And she became an instant sensation. She talked about relationships and her husband was a Disney uh, top Disney executive, and then he left the job and they both are working business and they used to give seminars on relationship and stuff. And now la last year they announced they were divorced, right? It doesn't mean they 
they're not successful doesn't mean something wrong. But I'm just saying that there's a lot of demons under the closet. So we just have to know the full story before we start comparing ourselves. And that kind of mentality really, really helps me. Just wanted to mention that when you're saying what you are going through as well, when you're doing stock trading, when you're doing this, when you're doing that, you don't know whether a person who got millions of dollars in stocks actually lost millions of dollars in real estates. You don't know that. So keep that in mind. Man, it's just it's just so much truth in it, especially on LinkedIn, right? Uh, when I recently found, uh, you know, my recent success on LinkedIn, it, it's funny because uh, according, I want to say according to my Instagram following and, you know, the people that's been following me for some time on, on Instagram, I'm like, yeah, uh, you, you hear the saying, if you're the smartest person in a room, you need to be in a new room. I got in LinkedIn and I'm like, oh my gosh. And it was just, I had, I instantly went back to the little boy in me, right? I went from insecure to influencer, but I had to really own my position, right? Own who I am. And I talk about this a lot, own who you are. Uh, it was easy for me to compare myself. And like you said, you know, you don't know what the other person is rumbling with, right? Everyone has, there's no one that walks this earth that doesn't have a problem over their head. So yeah, being a little bit more vulnerable, you know, I express that a lot on my podcast and I let people know like, Hey, like this is where I'm at, but success is, Oh, people think success is all bubble gums and, and bubbles. Oh no. Success is <laughs> success. You know, as, as in it, this was going to lead to my next question. You know, you mentioned you have a little one, you know, I just became a dad last year. You know, awesome. you probably heard my daughter running around somewhere in the back. Um, it, it, it's given me a lot more empathy, mm. right? It's made me more uh, conscious on how I operate as a man because I'm the first male figure that you'll see. And I am a key representation on that. So, you know, my podcast is a little bit more about self-improvement as well. So I want to ask you, how has fatherhood uh, shifted your, 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 your overall perspective in life. And how does that for you, how does that result in business? Because one of the things that I've recently experienced is anytime I'm away from my daughter, it has to be valuable. I don't wait. I don't waste my time. Right. I don't waste my time. And I'm very big on that. And if it wasn't for my daughter, I feel personally, I would I would consistently waste time with things that don't matter, uh, doing things like habits that don't matter, things that don't bring no value. Um, how has fatherhood uh, changed your perspective? Yeah, that question is really profound. And I think a lot of people have to think about it. For me personally, uh, yeah, of course, as everyone knows, the first three months is like a nightmare, especially if you don't have family. And it just said, so I live in Chicago and me and my wife uh, do not have any family in this entire state of Illinois. So, and it was a pandemic. So literally since my son was born in October of last year, me and her who have, I run a business and do stuff. And then she has a full-time job. We've somehow managed it, right? So one thing, First, let's come to the personal standpoint, then let's get to the business standpoint. From a personal standpoint, I'm with you. It, uh, I learned empathy. And when the kid looks at you without knowing the different things in the world and the pure innocence and the, the purity uh, just melts you in your heart, especially when you think about uh, doing stuff for your work and things like that, you just start thinking about life in a totally different perspective. Uh, in terms of, wow, look at this kid looking at me and so pure. Um, he's going to grow up. He's going to listen to a lot of things. 
make his own decisions and i'm uh i need to make sure i am healthy for him i'm able to play basketball with him i be a role model for him and show how the world can have uh can be a world filled with generosity and kindness because one thing me and you probably know uh is uh, i think especially people in the us is uh we miss empathy and value to people and uh, the human connection and just treating people as people and i think that's missing right now especially if you're a person of color uh you may get what i'm trying to say uh i'm brown and my wife is white caucasian and uh my i have a mocha baby so yeah so it makes me think about all these things when i'm feeding him i literally i'm on my rocking chair for one hour just looking at him especially when in, in this initial months i keep thinking about all these things so from a personal standpoint it opens up your lens to a much wider audience like a wider lens it makes your lens vision much wider and think about all these things right that's the first thing from a business standpoint i was thinking how the hell am i going to write a book and then i co-authored another book then i i've spoken at 25 conferences i've been in over 30 plus podcasts i've uh, been published in five external publications read by millions of people i have my one on one coaching business i do my group coaching program i volunteer and at that time i was thinking how the hell i would be able to do all these things and as you said i think you kind of mentioned now every meeting i attend everything i do should be valuable to me it started making me value my time time is money 100% especially when you have a kid because i was able to work only 6 hours a day till about uh, uh, august september time frame starting from last october right and for a person who runs a business and do all these things i thought 6 hours wasn't enough but then i learned to time box all my work for example i do a lot of writing i would say one hour i'm going to write this and i'll finish it in one hour before i used to take 3 hours so there's something called the pareto principle uh and uh, you can put it in the show notes as well he talks about how people expand their work based on the time so say if there's something they say you can finish in 3 hours but if you're given only 1 hour some of you manage to finish it in an hour because time expands along uh with work right it's called the pareto principle and you should definitely check it out but yeah so in terms of the business now i value my time use it more wisely i pick and choose things which only give me joy and is aligned with my mission before i wasn't doing that i was saying just every opportunity right now i learned how to say no which is phenomenal because for people who don't know me i do a lot of things uh, and i was saying yes to every freaking thing and then now i actually say no even if it costs me money because i know better because every up gig i take means lesser time for me to spend with my kid and i'm not going to get the first 10 years back with him so 20 years down the line when i'm a millionaire would i be thinking about the last times with my kid i because i can never get back or 
focus on your kid while uh, prioritizing different things in a business. And then later on, you can do more hustle and stuff once he grows up, right? So those are all those realizations from uh, making my lens much wider, my mental lens uh, much wider, uh, then realization that I need to be healthy for him and prioritizing things in my business. Those were the top things which came out uh, from being a dad for sure. And like, I couldn't stop smiling at you when you was talking all the personal stuff. And like, I'm just relating with you with the, from the, just the dad aspect, man. It's just so, it's so beautiful, man, because it's funny and you're I'm pretty sure you're going to see this when you watch it, your whole demeanor changed when you started talking about your son, you, you, you should, you should see yourself. Cause when you're talking business, Oh, we're talking business. But when you, oh, man, to see, talk about your son, man, it, 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 it really, it really lights my heart up, man. It, it's, it's so beautiful. To, to see um, and experience uh, just fatherhood. And like you said, the, the, the purity, the innocence and being healthy, that, that's extremely important. And one of the things that we were talking about in Clubhouse last night was generational curses. Mm-hmm. And, whew, you, know, I, you know, I'm West Indian, so I'm Trinidadian. So I'm with you with the, with the humble beginnings and uh, the comparison, you know, you know, my aunt, oh, yeah, oh, yeah, I gotta go learn a trade, you know, so it's constant, it's constant, oh, yeah, you know what I'm saying, so, yeah, you know, I've learned, I've learned to, and this is what you talked about, uh, you know, earlier in the podcast is dumping out your mindset, and I believe, you know, that's generational stuff as well, right, and, and, and putting that generational pressure on, on, on kids and, and like, and you said something and you, and you said it, you said for him to make his own decisions. Mm-hmm. Can, can you, can you tell us a little bit on, can you talk on, um, on breaking generational curses and, and, and why is this so important? Because your son, before you go, everything like, and it's, it's, it's crazy to think about, but everything that you do is documented every, including this podcast episode. So he's going to watch this episode or hear it. And it, it's just so, it's crazy. It's funny, right? If you think about it, how our childhood experiences um, molds us. And then we come to different realizations where there's some things which you never want to be part of, but there's some values you want to impart in your kid. And, um, talking about you said generational curses and how and the impact on me and fatherhood and on my kid yeah for me since a young age it's it's a culture thing where every time I, I used to ask questions about things I don't understand I used to get reprimanded for it because where I come from you need to follow the status quo and parents know what's best for the kids and that actually scarred me quite a bit because uh, it kind of uh, limited my creativity. I shut myself uh, in a shell, like in, in, into a shell. And then uh, I felt like an outcast. And when Neil was born, my son, I made a vow to myself that I will let him know all the things I know. And then he can choose what's right for him, what's wrong for him but as a father I am going to give him guidance on saying hey this is a really great part based on my experience these are things based on my experience and then 
Now you try to customize that and use it based on your experience. So I think that's where the difference is. Um, I think you have to go through that experience though. You, you need to have those generational curses and then the trauma or whatever you want to call it, because that's what makes you a better person and helps to make the society and your future generations better as well. And fun fact, in the past 150 years, no one has ever dated someone in my family and got married. We believe in arranged marriages. And again, I'm not saying it's good or bad. I don't want to get into that. What I'm trying to say is everything is arranged by your parents and the possibilities are you meet your significant other a day before you're getting married. And since a young age, I didn't want to be like that. And I really want to know the person before I got married. And now my wife is white Caucasian. I grew up in Southern part of India. She is in rural Ohio. And I'm the only person who married outside my culture, outside my caste. And uh, people thought, yeah, I was weird and I'm a rebel. But I just want to live a life based on the joy I get and based on values I have, right? But no one understood that. So now for my kid, Neil, I don't care how, what he represents and uh, uh, with what uh, gender he represents, I don't care. I'm going to support him no matter what. But all those realizations would not have come if I hadn't gone through all these experiences, because it's really tough getting married to a white Caucasian woman coming from a really uh, South Indian family. It's a huge topic. There are movies on it as well. If you go see Big Sick, the movie Big Sick, if anyone has not seen it, literally go see that movie. That was pretty much my life. So what I'm trying to say here is the experiences which you go through during your childhood um, helps you make make you make you a better person and then you can make you can impart that to your kids in terms of uh in a more general way so that the kid chooses how to use that information i'm going to tell him all the things i went through but he is going to get more knowledge from it and then he can decide what to do with his life so and this was an incredible podcast episode from just start to finish. And I, like, I could just tell because I'm just sitting here in the chair. I'm like, yo, my, like my, my whole body language was just changed. I'm like, wow. Yeah. Yeah. Tell us more. Tell us more. And yeah, man, you, you know, you, you, yo, you're a trailblazer, man. Like you, you're, you said you're a rebel, man. You're a trailblazer to go out here and, and take initiative of your own life and say, you know what, I'm going to go about it this way. And, and to set that standard. Uh, that is, just, it's beautiful. It's inspiring. And this is why I love the podcast because I love to hear different stories of inspiration and what sparked it and, and how people break through uh, everyday common issues that we all face as human beings. I think it's just extremely powerful and, you know, what you're doing. So uh, if you can, please give our, our audience uh, some closing thoughts, some key takeaways from this podcast episode, and, and, and just give us a, in conclusion on what are some key things that you want people to take away from this podcast episode and why it was important for you to come on today. Yeah. So I think, yeah, we talked about so many different topics, right? But uh, some of the highlights, which I could probably mention, which would be a good thing to think about after the episode for your listeners would be if you 
are looking to say advance in your career, stand out from the crowd uh, when it comes to applying for jobs or being successful in your jobs, build your personal brand. That's the, the most important thing you can do. Second thing is harness the power of LinkedIn. LinkedIn is where things happen and definitely you have to be out there. You have to be visible. You have to connect with people, uh, comment, share, post, which you find interesting. And that's how you get noticed, right? Third thing is run your own race. You have to, the only person you need to compete is with yourself. And that's the only person you need to compete with. You don't have to compete with other people because each one has their own path and you need to run your own race. Um, and then final point would be that it's never too late to make a change. For the first 30 years of my life, I thought I wasn't good enough. I didn't matter. I can never strive for greatness. But once I came to a realization that change is possible, I started doing gradual, small, small things, which eventually transformed my life from a shy, introverted uh, kid uh, earning a minimum salary into an international keynote speaker, author, and tech career coach running a six-figure business. And the kicker here is I'm an average guy. If I can do it, so can you. So those are the things uh, you can take away from it. And of course, I can tell you how to connect with me as well. But in terms of the takeaways, those are the four things I wanted to talk, uh, wanted to let people know. And to close it off, guys, don't forget to like, share, subscribe to the St. Clair Speak Show podcast, streaming on Spotify, iTunes, iHeartRadio, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, Radio Republic. You could watch this full interview on YouTube. This is Yahavi St. Clair saying, it's that time. I'll see you in the next one.